it's very, very important that the public is involved at every single stage of mm-hmm. the pandemic. From the moment we hear about the first case, what's the best way to involve the public, to communicate with? How are they going to receive it? Can you blame people for having trust issues? Because, you know, promises were being made. And I think one thing is when you really engage with the public, like explain, this is an unpredictable virus. This is what yeah. we're doing. This is why we're doing it. Oh, oh God, yeah. The terrorism money is there, but when it's right for PPE. Please, the virus could be a terrorist too. Hello, Globies. Welcome to the World Health Investigation Podcast. My name is Jocelyn. I'm Edna. And I'm Loza. We're three young global health professionals and your hosts for the World Health Investigation Podcast. Also known as the WHI, and we'll be discussing all things global health and unpacking the most controversial health and social issues. As well as promoting new and global health development and equity. So, ladies, what is the tea in global health today? Her hey. extra with it today. Yes. <laughs> Taking her time. Taking her time. Yes. What is the tea? The tea is we are both joining from London. Live from London. <laughs> Without me. <laughs> Come see graduates. First of all, I just want to say congratulations. Dina graduate. Everybody, and everybody Dina, congratulate them. You. Congratulations. You. you know, almost a year later, you know. Pandemic, the pandemic couldn't stop you. Panoramic, panoramic, panasonic. <laughs> but yeah, yo, I feel I feel officially graduated now. Like yeah. I can say I'm a graduate. I can say it with my chest now. Wow, it feels it feels official. It feels official. You see, yeah. has tied the knot. Yes, firm the opportunity. <laughs> okay, <laughs> like you can say it that way. A marriage? What? You can say it that way. Like it's not that. They said you're gonna have a long-term relationship with them as an alumni, you know. So yeah, that's all great and fine. <laughs> as long as I still get my career services. <laughs> as long as you do. Yeah. Anyways, what's the real tea? The what real, is the real tea, tea? I mean, listen, this 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 graduation has been delayed for a long time, as you know, because of the pandemic. Oh. Um can I say I'm tired. I'm sick. I'm sick. I am sick. I'm sick about COVID. We must recognize that we need to reflect upon what happened in this pandemic. Like what lessons did we actually learn? Because we cannot continue to go back and forth. We can't do this again. You really want us to talk about this again? Yes, again and again and again. (laughs) Until Until we learn. learn. First it was mental health. Then it was like this pandemic, we have accepted it. It has finished us. It has killed us. Now let's move on. No. No, 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 don't worry. We got into this situation because we continue to have that mindset of like, well, the pandemic happened now, it's in the past. Let's get back to normal. Let's get back to normal. And then we're not prepared for the okay. next one. Fine. Mm-hmm. So, yes, ladies and gentlemen, today we're talking about like top lessons from the pandemic. Like, what what, what can we learn? What, what are some lessons learned in this pandemic? There's a lot. There's a lot that can be said. A lot went wrong. Oh yeah, places a lot went right, so we'll just Mm. talk about that too. Yeah, but before we even get into that, I wanted to just ask you guys. Just let's Mm -hmm. begin at the level of like you personally. Did you feel like you were actually prepared for a pandemic? Like, like when that news broke, would you say, "Yeah, yeah, I I felt prepared for a pandemic"? Oh yes, I had my helmet on. Uh huh. 
I was just gonna say I have my mask ready. I have my mask ready. I had three packs. Um, No, I saw it coming, obviously, because me and that's a raven. I Uh, said that's a raven. I can beat the future. (laughs) Now, obviously, you guys have studied biomedicine, virology. We've all studied that, so we have an Mm -hmm. idea of like, yes, things, pandemics can just come. Diagnosis, uh-huh. diseases can just jump from animals yeah. to humans all the time. We're aware of these things, yeah. Mm-hmm. But still, did you think you like in your lifetime you'd see a pandemic? No, honestly, no. Mm-hmm. Let me not even. Let me not even cut. <laughs> <laughs> no, at first when I heard COVID, I said it's like the flu. Not to say that the flu is not important, it's, but yeah, like, it is, it is. we had this. I don't know. I saw it on social media channels as well because we mm-hmm. barely knew anything about it. We just right, heard right. flu-like symptoms. So I'm like, flu-like symptoms are not that bad. You get small, small runny nose, small, small cough. And then for a few days, a little bit of fever, just to spice things up. Yeah. And that's about it, you know? Yeah, we thought it was small, small. <laughs> mild, Easy peasy. Small, mild, yeah. yeah, small symptoms. I'm like, I'm not going to die from it. So mm. it's calm. Yeah. Little did I know Miss Rona is an mm. RNA virus. And she replicates really fast. <coughs> yeah. She replicates really, really fast. And, and she I got everywhere. I, and I remember like my lecturers were like, oh, we are very concerned. It's going to affect mm. the entire world. We're all going to somewhere like, no, we're not. It's not going to yeah. be a problem. We've got to uh-huh. control. We've dealt mm-hmm. with things before. We've just had Ebola. This was when Ebola had just, I think there was a, a global, uh, there was an Ebola epidemic in 2019, something as well. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, there was an yeah, outbreak. They were like, I mean, we've dealt with worse. So small, small flu would not disturb us. Whereas others were like, no, this replicates really fast. It's not mm. like the flu, it's different. So they were different. They were opposing opinions, very, very opposing opinions. And yeah. then people were like, oh, in Africa as well, um, they're going to be suffering. Yeah, they said, we're going to die. They are going to die. Yeah, they'll be dead. Devastations, the millions of deaths we will see. Yeah, don't worry about us filming at the map of Africa. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that that yeah. was my initial outlook. I was I was more concerned about why people were just pointing fingers at Africa. That was more <laughs> that was my concern. I wasn't necessarily prepared. I was more of like, but why? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was just I was just why. That yeah, was just my outlook. What about you, Lucy? Um, yes or no? Like I. <laughs> Maybe it's me feeling like the main character, but I did. I felt in my life I would experience a pandemic only wow. because of, and y'all, please don't blame me for this. I didn't bring this on. <laughs> I know. Okay, I didn't think it would be this bad, but why I thought it is because I, I remember I used to watch lectures and I used to like study because I like viruses, I used to study it. And people would always say, it's very likely we will have an airborne virus that will cause a pandemic yeah. it was it was repeated all the time yeah. so for me it was like it's only a matter of time it's probably gonna happen mm-hmm. i always assumed it would be an influenza virus i thought we'd just get another flu yeah mm-hmm. i didn't think it would be miss corona that would come for us um but then when it actually hit and we were hearing about this new coronavirus me i didn't take it seriously i said why are people stressed i would even see people like at the gym with like gloves and stuff and i would be like yeah oh, they do the most. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, guys. <laughs> I said it's not Ebola. Like, relax. It's not that deep. Um, because the way I saw it too, I had learned. I had just learned about MERS and SARS, and so to me, I was like, okay, it's MERS and SARS part three, and the previous two, 
yeah, they had like outbreaks, but they didn't cause a full-blown pandemic. Yes. So mm-hmm. I thought they would just die out. I, I thought this one would also die out. My lecturers also did not take it seriously. They said, y'all, y'all be fine. School isn't going to close. Everything will be fine. Yeah. No, it, it was just like, yeah, wash your hands. Everything will be okay. So um, when it actually hits and the WHO declared it a pandemic and then the next week everything was shut and then we were in lockdown and it was all happening. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It went on a skew, skew, skew in two seconds. Yeah. In two and- se- one night I was at your birthday, Jocelyn. The next week I was at home in lockdown <laughs> for the next two years of my life. So yeah, yeah no. crazy. and I remember at that time as well, I was revising for my biology exam and I was thinking <laughs> that the that they identified a SARS-CoV-2 strain in 2013. Mm-hmm. And someone did that there were speculations that there would be yes. an airborne pandemic happening. By the coronavirus. They identified, and it's so I don't know. Uh, it's a bit concerning how it was 95% similar to the, the SARS-CoV-2 that we have today. Yeah. Mm. That was that was that was a bit shocking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I I feel exactly the same way as you all. Like Loz, I love the what you brought up about like the lockdowns and how quickly things <laughs> just like went from zero to a hundred. Because yeah, I was yeah. also feeling like, okay, new infectious disease. Okay, okay, let's let, let's see how it goes. Let's not be too worried. It, flu happens every year so you know I, I won't be too concerned yet yeah i think i was on the side of the scientists where i was like okay, i wouldn't i wouldn't like raise alarms too much yet mm, yeah but then i would never say even though i was aware of like the virology and that it's an rna virus and what we can expect and the variants and the mm. mutations i'll never say i was prepared to be in lockdowns i would never say i was prepared to be wearing masks <laughs> everywhere that's the part i would say i was like whoa we're yeah. actually in a and we're actually and, and we're by actually the way it. um globies for those who don't know an rna virus is oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's yes. a rival nucleic acid virus so it has doesn't have two strands and let's just say it replicates a lot faster than yeah so it doesn't have like you know how we have dna we have two strands of genetic like material (laughs) they have one so they're even quicker at replicating that one that they have they're quicker (laughs) replicating and they don't have like the same sort of proofing mechanism that we as humans have like you know our dna replicates as well our cells replicate Mm -hmm. but then we have some sort of like you know proofing to make sure everything is okay yeah exactly and just copy this the right way and there's no yeah. mutations and mistakes shall we mistakes, say mistakes yeah but then with rna viruses for example they're replicating very fast number one number two they don't have that fact checking mechanism necessarily so they just go they just, just <laughs> go and, and you know and that's why that's why we have the variants Exactly. Because they just be replicating, replicating, replicating free flow, remixing, mutation, mutation, mutation. We have all kinds of variants. We have Omarion. We have yeah. everybody. You know? Exactly. Like even right now, like I don't even know. There's like hundreds of strains of like COVID yeah. that we have right now. Like yeah. it's not just the big ones, the Delta, mm. Omarion. Omicron. Oh, <laughs> I literally oh, I call it Omario now. Like, I don't call it Omicron. Yeah. <laughs> Omicron, like Omicron. <laughs> the main ones, the ones of concern, but there's hundreds out there. Um exactly, yeah. but yeah, no, but okay, then to just like move on from that. Personally, you guys, no one prepared for this pandemic. Mm-hmm. I think that's fine, mm-hmm. that's cool, that's fair. But do you expect your government, wherever your government, whether Switzerland, UK, to be prepared for the pandemic? Are you like, okay, me personally, I may not be prepared, but my government should be prepared. Oh, yes. 
Yes. You had a problem. You had a campaign. You are elected as a leader. You are supposed to protect your people. Okay. So preparedness, it is your duty. To lead. And it's true. Wait, sorry, Lizzie, cut off for a little bit there for us. Oh, Lord, I just said, what are you doing to me? <laughs> edit it out. Edit it out. What are you doing? <laughs> so no, what are you doing to me? It is your duty. It is your duty. That's it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. I'm glad, okay, we're all on the same page here. Okay, we're not saying pandemic preparedness is for all of us here. Well, we're I mean, really... as a normal, I mean, no. as a scientist, <laughs> maybe, but as a, as a normal person, if I'm here, I, I decide to, to, I'm a construction worker, why is it, why should I be prepared? As it like, no, but what am I going to do? Like, no, well, how can I even be prepared? How can I even be prepared if I wanted to? Exactly. Right? <laughs> exactly. Is there really a way for us to prepare for an outbreak of any kind? Not really. We don't have control over diseases. We cannot dictate when spillover events happen. And so that's when, you know, diseases can jump from animals to humans. We have no control mm. of that. But mm. what we can control is, you know, we can do some damage control. We can at least prepare mm-hmm. to prevent, you know, you know, large-scale deaths and all these things. Yes. A pandemic. Yes. yes. A panoramic. Panoramic. And so, like... <laughs> okay, now we're just going other pieces. You, you've unlocked a new one. You've unlocked a new <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> so, yeah, like, like one of you mentioned, even before COVID, where we had, we knew of coronavirus. The scientists were aware of this. There was the famous Bill Gates talk where he said, I have the quote here, if anything kills over 10 million people in the next few decades, it's most likely to be a highly infectious virus rather than a war. I mean, there's war happening now. I'm not on some war that happened at the same time, but anyway. That's, exactly. That's a, that's a different yeah. thing right there. Um, so... Yeah, again, it is that question of like, okay, we knew all of these things as scientists, as governments, you are aware of all these different things, Mm -hmm. but why are you still not prepared for a pandemic? And so I thought we would do an exercise just to put ourselves in the mindset of maybe people who have to make these decisions. Mm -hmm. So like us imagine, okay, let's say you were minister of health in your respective country. Hey, let's go. Hey, I'm a politician. Jocelyn, you are in Cameroon. I don't want that job. And you know, today, today, y'all, you know, I'm Zimbabwean. None of you ever take that away from me. Mm. But today, I will be Minister of Health for Switzerland. Oh my You put that upon yourself. Upon yourself. If I call you Swiss now, you have to say yes. Yes, I am. You yes, better I start am. singing yes, the I national am. anthem. And I'm saying them. That's going to be you. Voila. There you go. Okay. okay we're so done. <laughs> now just imagine the scenario, or you've been given the breakdown of like, yo, there's these cases of this infectious disease, airborne, we think, coming from Wuhan in China. You've been given the breakdown or the phone call, whatever, of mm-hmm. the whole situation. Like, Let's, uh, what would be like your top worry? Like what's one of the first things you'd be worried about? Like one of the first few things you're worried about when you're told that there's this new infectious disease coming out. Ooh, when you tell me infectious disease, I had this revolted teacher called Richard Mill. Shout out to Richard Mill. Shout out to Richard. He said transmission. And I say transmission. Mm-hmm. My first concern is transmission, especially with an RNA virus. So if I hear that there's a 
is it a pandemic already or we just heard about cases we're hearing about cases potentially a pandemic we don't know we don't know we're hearing about cases so the first thing i'd want to do is stop transmission and that would be in this case because it's covid and it's a respiratory virus Mm -hmm. self-isolating the cases not on that downplaying it as we did I think the, the countries that have done very well and that have that have managed to to contain the virus very effectively are people that were are, are, are countries that, that had very rapid a very rapid response. So I think in this case I would prioritize making sure that they're self isolating and that we're taking um not not lockdown originally but you know restrictions like social social restrictions social social distancing Mm -hmm. and stuff like that yeah yeah Mm -hmm. okay that's a great point because i think that's already pointing to the first thing you need to be considering in pandemic preparedness which is like understand the virus itself understand the epidemiology the the dynamics so Mm -hmm. that you can make a very well informed you know, policy decision yeah. on what restrictions to advise for people. And just and to add on to that, knowing my country, Cameroon, we don't have the capacity for that big man. We don't have the capacity for, 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 um, we don't have the healthcare burdens already quite a lot and the public health yeah. system. We are trying our very, very best. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't want it to, to grow i wouldn't want it to spread i wouldn't want that dissemination going on so Mm. prioritizing prevention as much as possible and as much um stakeholder involvement like there are different charities there are non-governmental organizations that are involved as well so i'll get different stakeholders not just within public health but the healthcare sector and social social sector as well to get everyone involved coming together asap to have that union unanimous unanimous um standpoint yeah come yeah. and see minister of health you know what i mean please where are yes. you and you know this is why ministers of health i believe should be people with health backgrounds because these matt hancock and them i swear they didn't sorry okay sorry just kidding <laughs> but i'm sorry but like you are able to be like this is this kind of virus this is how i expect it to replicate you're able to even speak to the scientists understand where they're coming from and make recommendations some of these people are coming from finance and everything they don't know yeah and And they're getting random advice and they give random advice and they don't understand they don't understand it (laughs) which is that's why i'm an advocate if you're a minister of health please have health backgrounds yeah Mm. no i think you guys are also pointing out to like a key issue here with that we were seeing with the pandemic is a lot of scientists, a lot of people who are like epidemiologists, doctors who understand the science. Like I think the keeper said this, like Anthony Fauci, for example, fighting for people his life, that man fighting for his life all the time because it is like there is the science, there's yeah. all of this political stuff that comes with yeah. it, and mm-hmm. it's like the scientists are considering like the, the 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 virus itself the dynamics but we have some politicians who are like okay what is this going to mean for the economy economy like, yeah. that's, have people sitting at home exactly like, so they so there's always that battle that was going mm-hmm. on between like the science what the science wants mm-hmm. versus like the policy the political yeah. side of it all so that was already a key Absolutely. challenge i would say mm-hmm. The politician wants to make the people happy. The scientists, yeah, to that's their job. So exactly, they're conflicting it. That's yeah. that's where the conflict is, and yeah. it is easier to it's easier to say solve it than actually applying it in real life. To be honest, mm-hmm. um, and I think that is yeah. For if I was if it was me that was yeah. minister of health of Ethiopia, if I heard this first of all, I would leave. I'd say I'm retiring. <laughs> I'd say I no. <laughs> I'd say good luck. Stay safe. Bye. Um, no, but for real, I think 
Say like Theresa May. Today we're not okay. We're not okay. We don't care anymore. We're just coming for anybody. We're matching people. No, please. This is not personal. This is not personal. This is so purely for banter purposes. Yeah, just making a joke. A joke. You know, you guys' jobs are hard. Um, no, but for real. Um, for Ethiopia, like I would be concerned on top of like understanding the spreading i wouldn't obviously there's already a high burden of infections in ethiopia mm-hmm. i don't want a new one to be added but um for me also is social security so from if i'm thinking about a pandemic i know there might be lockdowns eventually mm-hmm. there might be restrictions on people's work and there's a really high informal sector in ethiopia so mm-hmm. i would think like okay how am i going to protect these people if their livelihoods are also going to be um affected by pandemic restrictions how am I going to give them how am I going to access them and provide them with some kind of like security so that they don't go out and you know um, increase transmissions and risk their lives Um, on top of probably like in the early times before because you know at the beginning people didn't understand exactly how um, COVID spread or exactly like how um, deadly it was so Mm -hmm. I would also be very strict on like testing and contact tracing anybody Mm -hmm. that traveled to that country I think that would be where a lot of my attention would be yes I I agree with you I think with testing as well it goes down to the transmission bit like track Mm -hmm. transmission as as much sorry stopping transmission as much as possible and the most effective way to do that is to get people tested and having effective tests as well with high sensitivity and specificity so sensitivity being the num you know the number of of false positives and says wait what's the what's the you know i'm not gonna i (laughs) always (laughs) and i was talking about it yesterday too but like false positives and specificity is false negatives yeah you want the test to be specific enough to detect um like the correct antigens and not and you want it to be sensitive enough so that it doesn't miss any potential positive. Yeah, you want it. You want it to be sensitive enough to miss to not miss out on any positive case. Yes, and specific enough to not miss falsely not diagnose. Miss, yeah, falsely diagnose people. There yeah. we go. We see yeah. ourselves. <laughs> Um, yeah, those priorities yeah, that in early, in very, very early stages. Because at the moment, because I remember when COVID, when we heard about uh, uh, COVID, SARS-CoV-2, we just knew that it was, um, is it, is it, an, it was a pneumonia uh, um, unknown from on un, with unknown acute, age, uh, acute. I think it was, um, it was initially very initially early stage. It was called pneumonia with unknown etiology. That's all we knew. Um, yeah, before so, they even know what virus it was. We didn't know what virus it was. We didn't know anything. So the first thing is get mm-hmm. the PCRs, get the testing done and preventing that transmission. If that mm-hmm. gets done very well at the beginning, at the early stages, then we won't have to get to later stages of exactly. all the healthcare burden, the, the health supplier, the PPE, all those yeah. different things. Yeah. Right. We could have been saved a pandemic if yeah. all of this was done early, but exactly. It's difficult. But Lola, what I do like about like one thing that you mentioned was like the social security, because it is like, mm. yes, you're a minister of health and we're for this is a public health emergency, mm-hmm. but you mm. cannot ignore the fact that you know you have to consider like the economic impact. Yeah. What is like even for like on an individual level, like down to our household, like okay, what does this mean for people where there's only one person in the household who works and now we're telling all of them to like stay home. home. Work at home. Do they have internet to be working at home? Is that the good for everyone? 
Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. Like right. you're telling people to starve to death. Uh, if they don't comply, you, you can't blame them. So yeah. I, I can't go out. Like I gotta stay at home alone. Like I have to feed my four children. How am I gonna do that? How am I gonna <laughs> right. do that? Exactly. So yeah, I, I I love both of your answers. The only thing I would add, okay, like now if I come in from like a Switzerland perspective, she said high-income country, okay. high resource setting. Obviously, if it was me personally, it was actually a of health. I would mm-hmm. say, for example, I also have my background from Zimbabwe, where let's say I was there during like the 2008 cholera outbreak. Mm. You know, they, they I have an idea of what happens during like some kind of like infectious disease outbreak, okay, mm-hmm, and right. what can be required from the public, mm-hmm. and what's the public involvement there. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not going to lie, if I was like Minister of Health in Switzerland, Yes, all of these points that you guys have brought up would be like priority list things. But mm-hmm. like a personal worry would be like, hmm, how am I going to convince this population to adhere to these like restrictions? Yeah, that I need to go in place. Liberté. We know they need to go Liberté. in place. Liberté. 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 You know they'll be in the streets. You have to wear a mask. <laughs> Are you serious? God, uh, mm. say, you want me to inject what <laughs> into my body? They say a curfew for what? <laughs> exactly. So I think because I know how the population over here can be, there's not the same like uh let's say like people here are not as used to you know having to sacrifice certain mm. liberties yeah during like a public health emergency like yeah. an infectious disease outbreak mm. that would be my top concern of like this is new for people they may not be as responsive as i w- would want mm-hmm. in the pandemic so yeah. i would be worried about like okay how am i gonna get my public to like mm. align with what we need them to do mm. that's a very good point i that's think also true. a lot of these countries they did underestimate it a lot they said oh no no like it's just a little infection we're above this we're europe, europe. We have yeah. so capacity. to really we have the capacity uh well the capacity was tested but mm-hmm. um yeah definitely convincing the population like oh no this can get you too like you need to comply exactly yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's interesting it. it's been how, difficult it's interesting how mm-hmm. our responses are different like because we know, I think when it comes to pandemic response and preparedness, you need to understand your population as well. Each country has a different population. You need to know the history of the population as well, how they've handled previous pandemics and how the public has responded. Yeah. Because Switzerland, mm-hmm. <laughs> people, they don't, they don't take restrictions. Please, very, like, why are you coming for Switzerland so much? You know, the UK has been doing the same. You know, I'm talking about Switzerland in particular because I see people protesting against restrictions. Yeah, that I, yeah. UK to America. No, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm speaking of Switzerland because I saw it live. I saw it happening. In people like Cameroon, like people are actually, surprisingly, they don't mind taking the vaccine. They don't mind like we're complying to... No, when I went to Ethiopia, that is the most compliance I saw. Like that is the most yeah. mask wearing yeah. that I saw. Honestly, even like right now, as we're talking, okay, this is like March 2022, Mm -hmm. right? A lot of places in Europe are now like relaxing restrictions a lot. But my dad was just like in Zim right now. And he said it is still masks everywhere. You cannot Mm -hmm. go. If you don't have a mask, they're not, you know, compromising with you. They're like, you can't come in. Sanitizer everywhere. Everywhere. It is still Mm -hmm. happening. They're still on that like high level. Like, you know, where's... And I think it's because these countries know how to deal with infections properly, like infectious diseases. They yeah, understand the gravity. Yeah. It is understood, but like mm-hmm. just like you're saying, you need to pandemic preparedness. There's no one formula. There's no mm-hmm. one template. Yeah. Every country in the world mm-hmm. can follow. It needs to be 
you know, adapted to the context, to your country and to, you know. And the population. Yeah. The, the population. population. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And your exactly. history, yeah. Mm-hmm. Your history. Mm-hmm. But yeah, overall, yeah, I would say like in terms of like, we understand that it can be hard to just prepare for a pandemic because like we said, on a personal level, there's things that are just so out of your control. But on a government level, they have to consider all these different things, like how are we best going to coordinate, like Loza brought up with the social security, like so that mm. we minimize economic impacts for people. Yeah. What <laughs> sort of policies or like restrictions are we going to introduce that are you know best suited to actually address the disease that we're dealing with here, like you brought up, Jocelyn. Mm-hmm. There's going to be research and development required because it's like it's a new thing. We don't understand it completely. We need to uh, we need to be able to know how best to respond and understand the virus a bit more. Yeah. We need to start thinking about treatments. We need to start thinking about a vaccine. Yeah. So there's all of that that needs to be prioritized. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing, and I feel is usually pushed to the bottom, is the community engagement, oh. like the public mm-hmm. engagement. Mm-hmm. Actually, Ooh. you know make sure that your public will be ready, ready. to receive ready. these restrictions. You're right. communicating with them effectively about like, this is the virus. This is what happens. This is what yes. you need to do. These are the symptoms, you know, there's that whole like, you know, health promotion side yeah. of it that's also going on. So it's a lot that it's goes on lot into goes preparing on. for a pandemic and to actually enforce it and stuff like that. And to just the financing of it all as well. Where's the money? Hey, the hey. money for the PPE, the money for everything. And that, yeah, that was a big challenge at first. Remember, because mm-hmm. there was like there were mar- mask shortages, so we were being told actually don't buy masks because the hospitals need them. Yeah. So the yeah. because there was no financing at the beginning. Yeah. So yeah. It's yeah. Chaotic, and just to if you don't jump prepare. back on your point about public uh, community engagement. Yeah. Yes. I said this in one previous episode. I'll say it again. It's very, very important that the public is involved at every single stage of mm-hmm. the pandemic. From the moment we hear about the first case, what's the best way to involve the public, to communicate with? How are they going to receive it? Because mm-hmm. public fear, because I remember with COVID, there were so many misconceptions from the very yes. beginning, which caused mm-hmm. like all types of conspiracy theories people didn't want to wear their masks people didn't want to self as people but not did not want to self isolate at all because initially it was two weeks then it was a month then it was a long time and you gave people false hope and you gave people yeah. you got people looking forward to something and then guidelines changed eventually so you have to be very honest about okay from the get-go this is what we're currently dealing with Things may change. This is what may happen, but don't tell people that you're gonna be out in two weeks and then do it it out to uh, it out to to help out <laughs> and then come back and and, yeah, and, tell them. and impose yeah. impose a social distance lockdown in the middle of of Christmas. It doesn't make any sense. Like that's why there was so much public mistrust with the government. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. Can you blame people for having trust issues? Because, you know, promises were being made. And I think one thing is when you really engage with the public, like explain, this is an unpredictable virus. This is what yeah. we're doing. This is why we're doing it. Mm-hmm. But if you're saying, oh, okay, I'm going to put you in lockdown for three weeks. But then after that, you'll have a Christmas. And then on Christmas, it's like, no, that's canceled. That's but canceled. after that, we're going to do this. And it continues. I mean, I was losing my mind last year because yeah. I didn't even know what direction we were going to go. Yeah, because exactly. I even took this poll back on. I did. I did like a small poll on Instagram where I, I mm-hmm. asked people what they think. Um, why they wouldn't take their vaccine and stuff, and they said mm-hmm. the scientists and the government don't seem like they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I, it I, looks I, like it. Few people, quite few people, said that. And I said, yeah. you see, that's what they don't no. trust you. 
I think and if you the, really track what was being communicated to people, it really does look like they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, that's what they're conflicting mean. each other. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. I think we always come back to this point and we have in various episodes of like, let's say for us, we come from the science background. We can see these things happening and we'd be able to almost understand the side of the scientists where there's like a lot of uncertainty. They cannot communicate everything. It's such certainty of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Two yeah. weeks lockdown, we're going to prevent 1,000 deaths for sure, for, for sure. sure. For that's, sure. that's just yeah. not how science works. No. To the core, it's not just about the viruses. It's not just about public, it's just science in general. Yeah. And so we may be able to understand that, but it's like, does the do the people in your government who make decisions understand that? Can you break it down to them effectively? How yeah. are they then going to take that information? Yeah. Sometimes they may hear you, they'll take the information, but they will not use it at all, as we yeah. see. So again, you will also see that on the public side, there'll be the this disconnect between, okay, the scientists are saying this, the government is now saying this. Last week they were saying, you know. Last week they said this, mm-hmm. now they're saying this. Yeah. Why should I listen to them? Let me just do my own yeah. thing. Why should I listen to them? So I think it goes back to an issue of like, the again, this is work that needs to go into before a pandemic happens, which is gaining trust from your public. <laughs> and that just doesn't come from, you know, suddenly telling, I don't know, like, and 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 yeah. that's why we understand that science doesn't have all the answers. But the key right. is like even in communication, like when you're communicating with people, you need to tell them what's happening, even if you don't know. So mm-hmm. people say we don't know. Currently, we don't know, but this is what we're doing, and say it without using the big buzzwords, you know. And mm-hmm. then Explain it in the language of a five-year-old and say, mm-hmm. this is what we're currently doing. We're currently replicating this DNA and this and this and that. Explain the protein stuff, all the stuff that you're currently doing and say that this is why we have this vaccine. I'm going to vaccine and stuff again. <laughs> yeah. But that's why there was so yeah. much mistrust because they didn't, people, people thought they understood, main, lay people thought they understood the science better than the sciences. Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how it was being relayed to them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. we cannot even continue to stress this point even more but i guess um just to wrap up um in terms of like yes there's the side of like the government and what the government can do to prepare Mm -hmm. but there's also let us not forget our global international overviewers oh the world health organization (laughs) our favorite our favorite (laughs) i just wonder like Okay, if you even again take yourself back to early pandemic days, early yes, yeah, early pandemic days, like I personally, I'm not gonna lie, was expecting WHO to be like on it, to be like heavily involved. I said, finally, the WHO that I've been interested in can get its time to shine. Mm-hmm. I know this is what the WHO has been created for, and for years when we don't have pandemics or we don't have uh you know diseases that affect like European countries. You know, they're not taken as seriously, but now I'm like, finally, the WHO can be spotlighted. Mm-hmm. Everything that they're always saying at these meetings can finally be proven correct. Mm-hmm. So I had that expectation for WHO. I don't know if you guys, how, what expectations did you have for them? Like what their role would be in this pandemic? I'm not going to lie. I matched their energy at the beginning. When I say I matched their energy, I initially, when they didn't say anything, I thought, you know, there's nothing. The moment Tedro said, Public health emergency. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. This is yeah. it. So that's how the WHO has so much impact. No, no, yeah. they can't, they give guidelines. Yeah, but when you hear the WHO has declared 
that this is a public health emergency. Everybody was like, quick, 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 quick. Let's said, I, let's, 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 <laughs> you hear this, this, this left and right. So I think I don't want to, I think I, I, I'm going to be, I'm going to start off on a positive note. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to start on a positive because with the H1N1 pandemic, mm-hmm. the response was a lot slower. Mm. I think there was, it started off around, was it, what was it, 2009? The H1N1. Yeah. Yeah, so, 2009. Yeah, I was a child. I don't know. <laughs> they started off. They started off. Started off. Um, I think it started off around around same time, November, December, but mm. the reporting actually happened months, months later, mm. months and months later. The WHO didn't even notify the first case months later. This the first notification in this pandemic was a week later. So mm. I mean, once we can bash, we can bash them and say, oh yeah, they were not quick enough. They took some time because they underestimated it. But I think in comparison to a previous pandemic that happened, they did learn a little There's bit. improvement. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think um, we see the WHO as like this very powerful, you know, global health institution. But like what's important to remember is that WHO is only as powerful or as strong as the member countries will allow it to be. Mm-hmm. So if member countries are not cooperating, the WHO can only do so much there. I mean, they're sovereign. So even in terms of like, you know, declaring, some people say, why did they wait so long to declare the pandemic? There are certain definitions that it has to fulfill for it to be called a pandemic. You can't just call it a pandemic if it affects five countries. Um, They say, you know, why didn't they act sooner? Why didn't they do this? But like, I mean, do we not remember the US was trying to pull out of the WHO last year because Mm -hmm. of like, you know, how they were addressing the pandemic because, they claimed the U.S. was too nice to China. I mean, yeah. it was too nice to China. Yeah. So it's like countries also tried to impose their political beliefs on yeah. the organization. Yeah. And um, and the organization relies on funding from state countries. Like the U.S. is one of the, the biggest US. funders. Yeah. If the U.S. goes, the WHO goes. You yeah. get what I mean? Yeah. So like it's only as powerful as these big countries are so i did yeah i didn't think they would shine too much if the countries didn't let them shine yeah 100 mm. percent. i agree i think the who and even tedros himself oh, yeah I say tedros like he's like my friend i know hey dr tedros i don't know man like oh, put yes. some respect on his name say the full put name says put some respect but it's I would really, feel bad for him. It can be a difficult position to be in, exactly mm-hmm. from the points that you guys made. Because let us not forget, okay, me if I was China already, I would be shaking in my boots. Mm. If I if I detected, yeah, I'm not saying personally, if I was in China, if I'm not saying this is what China did, I'll say personally, if I was in China, <laughs> if I detected some Disclaimer. some new infectious disease or something obviously i'm shaking my boots because i'm also yes. concerned the economic impact absolutely yeah. talks i'm like if absolutely. i suddenly announced that i have another outbreak or something because china had sars before mm-hmm. they also had mers and that had huge impact on their like tourism as well yeah they're probably like, like oh no not again so not yeah. again we don't want this to happen again so obviously you know obviously maybe and at taking- the time trump was calling it one hand trump was not helping Oh, no, yeah, Trump was virus. So Trump was calling it the China virus. At the level of, I've just detected something. Mm. Yeah, like this is the time Trump I'm Trump. now like, okay, let me just go up and face my fronts. I'll go and I'll tell WHO, I'll go and I'll announce. 
And then, you know, WHO then also has to look at it and be like, okay, now what's going on in this situation? They have to do their own investigations. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. Now, if USA is also over here with their own political agenda and they're hearing of these whispers of some new infections, they'd be like, what's going on there? What's going on? What's going on there? You say China, what? Wuhan, what? Wuhan virus? There were so many countries that the US tried to put they send some sciences in China and the Chinese they came and created the virus from the bats and then the bats I was uh, <laughs> it was a lot to do with it was a lot yeah. to do with and yeah. I think I agree with you Justin like when we actually compare like the WHO response mm-hmm. yes like from historic times like even with Ebola and how quickly they respond in terms of saying like declaring that this is a public health threat and being like, no, we're actually escalating it to what? This is a pandemic now. I think they were much faster this time. They were much more, yeah. That we can give, we can complain. But you know, did they learn? They've learned from the previous one. Did they make the same mistake? They made a few mistakes here. But you know, (laughs) we can't bash, we can't bash, not everyday bashing now. Let's also appreciate. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But we should still balance it. Like, is there anything we do wish the WHO would have, you know, done a little bit more if is there any other area we feel like they they, they should have shined a little bit more mm-hmm. shined a little bit more i mean what can they do uh, first of all uh, they don't have any binding um treaties at the moment to like regulate countries responses right mm-hmm. to pandemics so for me like i would have loved for the WHO to have the power to regulate countries responses to the pandemic. So if that is shutting borders, you know, they announce, okay, this, this, this criteria is met, this is how you should respond. If it's testing, if this, this, this criteria is met, this is how you should respond. In terms of diagnostics, sharing diagnostics, um, PPE, vaccines, you know, actually putting binding laws so that countries would actually properly be, um, what is it, coordinated and accountable. Like coordinated actions and accountability, because what we saw during this pandemic, what was frustrating for me was one country over here would be doing one thing and the other one would be doing the opposite and they would all be going different like directions. Yeah. They would be reacting. They would not be necessarily trying to prevent. It would be, you know, new yeah. variants comes, they react, they all close their borders. It's too late. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> South African variants. Uh-huh. Um, even the Delta variant. Like, I mean, it's like they even repeat the same mistake. So yeah. for me, just having like binding laws that hold countries accountable so that they have coordinated responses, that would have been ideal. But at the moment that we were talking in 2020, the WHO did not have that power. So the WHO was just providing guidelines and that's all. They say, oh, please do this. Please don't do this. But yes. countries can say no thanks. <laughs> That's what, go- I, that's what I mean when I say, for me, I had that expectation of the WHO early on in the pandemic to be able to like step up and be that person. Because I feel like that is really key to their role. Yeah. It's similar to other UN agencies like International Labour Organization, WHO, you know, mm-hmm. I think the treaty around like tobacco, like that's the only treaty we have. Loza, I think you're the one who knows more. Yeah. And then IHR, which is like the International Health something. But yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. We don't have that many treaties because it is very hard to get them and to, you know, get countries to actually yeah. sign. Yes. Them like that. But yes. I feel the people who need to put the energy into that is something like the WHO. The WHO. Right. Yeah. That's I feel right. like that should have been early on, like a, consider a hundred percent but then at the time my countries were doing completely different things that was well, the yeah. problem and that's yeah, why that's i think why they, yeah and, and it goes both ways though because the WHO can't do anything unless the countries agree 
like yes. they're the ones that vote you get i mean now like now they don't yeah, and they're Especially trying to the do a when, when the US was giving uh, the WHO attitude. Girl, the US was trying to leave even. I'm so sure it, they were shaking was, in their boots. There was a lot happening at the same time, and then there was like, there was the. I, let me not go into that. Let me just don't mind. Me. No, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, actually, it's like yeah, we don't. We actually don't know what was going on at the back. They could have been pushing efforts like this for like yeah. two years or whatever, and it's only now. Yeah an announcement of like and i mean there were like people that suggested way back you know after ebola we should probably fix uh, some of these WHO things give it a bit more power to hold countries accountable in case there's another outbreak Mm -hmm. and countries were like no thank you that's um we're good and we know the bureaucracy that goes into like global health and you know public health um particularly emergencies to act Mm -hmm. fast that leads me to my next point to Mm -hmm. act fast in a pandemic is something that needs preparedness yeah preparedness particularly when it comes to like standard operating procedures sops when it comes to pandemic preparedness i don't think that i don't think that that is not the who's responsibility but i don't think a lot of countries had that so mm-hmm. in this particular scenario it was it was almost like they just had they were just reacting yeah, it was yeah, too late. Everything. There was yeah. If there was some kind of standardized procedure, okay, this is what happens, and then you this, and then we notify. I mean, they notified, yeah, and then countries. Then we advise the high income countries. Then we advise the low income. Then we say this. Then we say that. A clear plan. There was no yeah. clear plan, and we yeah. saw what happened. So. Yeah, exactly. It was too late. By um, by the time COVID came, it was too late to exactly. be doing, oh, let's prepare. Yeah, you're not prepared. Yeah. yeah, exactly. If you're not prepared, you're just not prepared. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the interest of time, like, okay, I'll quickly mention, for example, Korea, South Korea. Mm-hmm. That was a country that was, you know, we saw early on in the pandemic, they're very responsive and people were just like clapping hands for South Korea because they're very good mm-hmm. in terms of like controlling like at the early stages. And I think the key thing there to highlight is that it's because South Korea took, they put in their work to actually mm-hmm. learn from previous experiences. Rather than just mm-hmm. closing their borders. Yeah, rather than just closing their borders. But just explain the context. Come and see shade. <laughs> Come and see shade. Come and see shade, yeah. <laughs> so they had, like, for example, a MERS outbreak in 2015. And, like, not handled as as best as they could um, mm-hmm. do, for example. And, I mean, I have some statistics here, but no need oh, to get into it. Let's spill the tea. (laughs) All right. So, for example, like the MERS outbreak there in 2015, it resulted in like 17,000 suspected cases, and there were like 38 Mm -hmm. deaths. So, it doesn't Mm -hmm. seem like much, but then Mm -hmm. in over like the six months where that pandemic took place, Mm -hmm. the Korean government, South Korean government, lost an estimated like 2.6 billion Mm -hmm. in tourism revenue. Um, And they spent like almost 1 billion US dollars on diagnosis, treatment. And right. other parts of their response. Right. Yeah. So what I liked is as I was reading about South Korea, is that 2015, after that uh MERS outbreak happened, they set out these 48 reforms. And you know, I can mm-hmm. provide the link to where they are, they're quite interesting read. Mm-hmm. But they set out these 48 re- like reforms of like, okay, this is what we need to do to prepare. Mm-hmm. And some of the stuff included, like, okay, we need more infection control staff and mm-hmm. isolation units. We need to expand our outbreak simulations and PPE training. Mm-hmm. We need to have better collaboration between like medical centers and local governments. Yes. You know, they set this out, they're like, yes. oh, this is what needs to be done. And then they actually did it, y'all. They mm, actually, and then guess it. what by time covid came they were prepared come and see applying prepared. it 
mm-hmm. you know so i think like Justin, you're saying now with like the travel bans mm. so again because for example um obviously when f- cases were first reported from mohan some countries the first response is you know travel ban you need to ban anyone coming in from Wuhan anyone coming in from China that's not even the approach that South Korea took South Korea aligned with what WHO had always like recommended which was you know you track these people you check them at the border you get them to self-isolate but there's no need to actually impose a travel ban and that was what South Korea implemented and they were still Mm -hmm. able to control the 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 epidemic the outbreak pretty well early on in the days Mm -hmm. so that just goes to show that it's like you prepare you'll be ready to face the next challenge you don't need Mm -hmm. to do what everyone else was doing with these old travel bans and da 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 da, which in the end didn't work out that well and man it was was. well when when we heard that the Isaiah from China everyone was concerned they had they initially started with a lot of cases but eventually in comparison to the United Kingdom and the US and Russia and India, I'm sorry, the China did a lot better. And they started off with, you know, quite a, a lot of cases, but with time, they acted quick. They acted really quick, particularly exploiting the scientific community, the scientific expertise, the, the healthcare professionals. Everybody came together in China, and they did it quick. And they, they had, I remember when it was in Wuhan, they, in, they had a, a, a lockdown in Wuhan particularly, not necessarily in, mm-hmm. in the whole, the of, whole of country. China, yeah, the yeah. whole country. They had a local lockdowns, which was mm. quite effective. And I think towards the end of a pandemic as well, um, it's not necessarily, it's not always necessary to have national lockdowns. That depends on your country. But in that case, it worked really well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, closing your Closing your borders is not always the first quick solution you have to go to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I so I guess now to just talk about, okay, we've already mentioned quite a number of points, but like what can we do better in terms of pandemic preparedness? Anything <laughs> else that we can do better? We've already kind of touched on, you need better coordination in terms of like how you're communicating with the public so you just don't look like headless chickens running around. <laughs> <laughs> Used to be a caption. Please repeat what you said. Oh my goodness. Said again. You better prepare so you don't look like headless chickens running around. Yeah. Um invest a little bit more in our public engagement, like we said, to really address that mistrust. So I mean, Mm -hmm. any other additional points from you guys in terms of like what can we do better in terms of I'm, st- I'm stressing on the SOPs. Okay. Stressing I'm, on the I'm stressed as high. You know how you can highlight something, underline it? Yeah. I'm stressed on the SOPs. Because when it comes to pandemic preparedness, you can come at it with three different approaches, right? Mm-hmm. You could have the, number one, the economic factor, like the economic um, impact of the pandemic on people. So that was what the, that's the first thing that the government would think about and how it's going to affect the economy, particularly like providing... Um, um, financial incentive to vulnerable people and people from low economic groups. That's one thing. Then there is actually tracking the virus, coming up with healthcare um, solutions mm-hmm. where we need advice from, right? There's that. And then there's the actual pandemic itself, like the national guidelines and the, the, the guidelines and the restrictions and stuff like that. These are three different approaches. All of these come hand in hand all together. It doesn't mean that you have, just because you prioritize, uh, 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 you want to prioritize the economy, doesn't mean that 
you will automatically say, okay, now let's us all socialize again tomorrow and then change the lockdown rules. It is counterintuitive. It is counterproductive. So I think that if they, if there are standard operating procedures based on these three different um, aspects and also based on control measures, factoring, testing, control, implementation altogether, mm-hmm. that would be much better. That would make, I think that would make quite a significant difference in how we respond to this pandemic. I like that. Yeah. No, I like that. <laughs> I do. I like the idea of like things that are standard and then you know what to do instead of yeah. again being headless chickens. Um <laughs> <laughs> I just want to highlight, like I just um I want us to learn from this one. Mm-hmm. Please let's not do this again. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> I, think, I think we were dragging the WHO, but now they're trying to, I mean, they're meeting to propose a new treaty for pandemic mm-hmm. preparedness. Now I don't know what they're gonna put in there. Mm-hmm. Um, because the Russians and the Americas are fighting them. I don't know, they don't want one. But mm-hmm. um, when we look at like okay, things like that, treaties, like I would I would advise for like more global cooperation. Mm-hmm. Um and more coordination so that like everyone is kind of going in the same direction Mm -hmm. so that we can have the best outcome um and because this is not like the i doubt this is the only spillover event that's going to happen in our life like there Mm -hmm. there could be another you know virus that jumps from an animal to us and now you know threatens for another pandemic and pandemics can be avoided if you know, governments are working in coordination. Um, and also, you know, let's go back to our, our climate change podcast, but um, <laughs> let me come up with a little one help. But also, like, respecting the environment as individuals mm-hmm. and as um, governments as well. Yes. So a lot of these spillover events or zoonosis, like viruses jumping from animals, it's because mm-hmm. it occurs because we're encroaching on their habitats. We're going to places that we're not meant to be going. We are, you know misusing animals in different ways so i would say you know be more conscious of that i think if we're more conscious of that and we if we really consider the environment when we talk about health yeah i think we can actually prevent a lot of these spillover events and and i really like what you said just just to add on to that i -hmm. think even now we still don't really know the origin no, not exactly. No, no. And there's uh, been analyses and predictions that there's been a call. There has been crossover events between bats and different fish um, markets, fish and, markets yeah, and yeah. stuff. But it just goes to show that there, there needs to be some form of I don't know. I don't know. Like they just need to understand that they respect the environment and mm-hmm. also proper hygiene. And I you know I'm sure sanitation, sanitation. <laughs> but I think I had a point earlier which I forgot. Now countries now i'm I'm talking to countries i'm not talking to the government i'm talking to countries okay. <laughs> yeah tell them, tell them. the healthcare sector is critical yeah i know that a lot of countries have not put the i think the healthcare sector in a lot of countries is still not classified as a critical sector mm-hmm. now i'm pretty sure by now you know it is critical i don't understand why you'd have so much finance you'd have so much money and finances going into weapons for war Ooh. when Ooh. the virus is coming for you the viruses don't decide. The viruses don't have any bias. They'll come for your country either way, like, whether you like it or not. So you might as well be prepared. So mm-hmm. I think I, I think I strongly also think that yeah, the healthcare sector needs more investment for better pan- pandemic preparedness and mm-hmm. make sure that it is classified as a critical sector and take it you know a little bit more seriously. Yeah, prioritize <laughs> health. I mean, no, after this, if they haven't learned, I don't know. Because I know that yeah, someone a country like France. 
they prioritize a lot. They have a lot going on in terms of preparedness for terrorism. Mm-hmm. And how? And how? money for PPE. What was money for PPE? No, guys, no, no, no. <laughs> I literally just remember reading this story about. Remember, remember when countries, even in Europe, were scrambling for PPE? Yeah, they were fighting each other, France, man. France, I swear there was a story where allegedly they tried to block this shipment that was going from Turkey and then was going to pass through France and go to another country. Mm-hmm. And the shipment had PPE. The fr- they allegedly tried to stop this. Mate, it was getting embarrassing. It was getting bad, yo. Bad. <laughs> so bad. I remember. So, yeah, this like oh, God, said, yeah. the terrorism money is there, but when it's money for PPE. Mm-hmm. Please, the virus PPE, could be a terrorist PPE. too. Okay. As you said, Bill Gates did say that we're more likely to have a, 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 a pandemic with an airborne divide than a war, right? Yeah. To kill anyway, we got it. He was, right. yeah. he was right. He was right. Oh, <laughs> and next time, we don't know if the pandemic is if, if there's going to be a pandemic that will be a respiratory. It could be uh, 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 oral, oral to fecal infection. It could be anything else. So be ready. Stay ready. <laughs> Now they're next time if there's a pandemic, they're gonna blame you. They're gonna say, see, she made it. She, <laughs> she designed this. <laughs> if it's all like if it's fecal okay, transmission, okay. they'll say Jocelyn. I mean, there's already like the I saw that I heard there were two cases of Lassa fever in the UK not long ago. So yeah. I'm not I'm not I'm not saying it's gonna happen. Stay yeah. safe, yo. I mean, listen, with climate change and the mosquitoes moving, I mean, <laughs> you it know. is at your doorsteps. I did say it that. Not doorsteps, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like Justin, like you mentioned that, um, what were you saying about wash? Oh, <laughs> sanitization, <laughs> sanitation, okay, wash your hands, not just wash your hands, but very, very, in terms of the, 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 you know, you know in the lab, there's very, 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 very sanitary, uh, sanitizer, hand sanitizer, but also making sure that the, the equipment are properly cleaned with ethanol, all the equipment that is needed, properly, properly ambushed for this, <laughs> you know? She said, don't, don't let this happen again. Wash, wash techniques are very important when it comes, to, especially when it comes to decontaminating um, food products, decontaminating the water, decontaminating what well, different, different, um, I don't know, systems that we use mm. for nutrition and stuff like that. So, yeah. Great point again. Um, sometimes it's really down to basics. It's really it really down is. To the sanitation, <laughs> like the things that can achieve, it really exactly. comes back to <laughs> um, And then for me, just on the last point, it's like, obviously, a lot of pandemic preparedness, like we said from the beginning, is not on you as a person <laughs> to no. figure it out. WHO cannot figure it out. Our own governments, they cannot figure it out. Mm-hmm. But I just came across some of these cool apps that I saw mm-hmm. because in the interest of like, you know, public engagement with science and, you know, getting people like, if you actually want to get more involved with the science, mm-hmm. um, there are, for example, these apps where you can almost like help provide data that can then go into like tracking like diseases, tracking pandemics and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So the example is like this Israeli initiative, mm-hmm. like related to COVID where they had people fill out these like daily forms like that literally Mm. took one minute Mm. and then the data they collected from that would actually help them like predict and locate any like covid hotspots but that was already one way that you as a person could like contribute you know what i mean like Mm. you can actually help them identify hotspots um and then overall when it comes to like other you know epidemics um like flu influenza there are countries like australia and new zealand that have these like flu tracking 
uh, apps and surveillance systems where Come people see digital in, health. go in digital. and input like some data and then you know that's how you'll be helping like even your government yes. you know track and like report yeah, cases yeah. and all these different things so it's also investing in these early warning systems you know yeah. Yeah, yeah. that could then help um even the governments in the future so with that do you guys have any more takeaways any last messages I any burning actually i do have a message oh, so i might glow me tell them tell them, <laughs> tell, them <laughs> tell them let's be kind to each other in the pandemic mm. this Aww. is very basic let's be human you know i've i've uttered the scientists enough i've uttered the countries uttered the government but you know as people there's no point of blaming other people blaming the non-mask or blaming saying oh i won't wear my mask oh i'll wear my mask or i won't do this i think being kinder in a community and also offering support. I know there were people that were volunteering um, to, 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 to give food, uh, to do groceries for people mm-hmm. that were self-isolated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to, you know, help out where you can, you know, we're also loving people. Yeah. Yeah. Just leave it on a positive note. Yeah. Much, much nicer note. <laughs> much we nicer. love that. We love Well, wholesome. Yeah. Well, otherwise... This has been the World Health Investigation Podcast. I'm Edna. I'm Jocelyn. And I'm Loza. We are three young global health professionals and your hosts for the World Health Investigation Podcast. Jocelyn, you're excellent at all of our social clubs. Please plug. Please. Follow us on Instagram at WHOWHOWHOWHOWHOWHOWHOWHOWHOWHOWHOWHOWHOWHOWHOWHOWHOWHOWHOWHOWHOWHOWHOWHOWHOWHOWHOWHOWHOWHOWHOWHOWHOW